0: Most investments carry risk, but there's one that is all upside. The only risk-free investment is an investment in yourself. The Globe and Mail is the largest business newsroom in Canada, interpreting and unpacking macroeconomics, housing, policy decisions, and world events. Enjoy a comprehensive suite of business newsletters, breaking news, and market updates straight to your inbox. As a subscriber to The Global Mail, you'll get access to investor tools like advanced charting, portfolio with the Wellscope report card, providing an independent six-factor review of your portfolio, and stock screener to help you find the right investments. The Global Mail is offering a special digital subscription rate just for Looney Hour listeners. For a limited time, get access for $75 a year for your first year. For more details, visit globalmail.com slash podcast. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that this information discussed today is not intended to be or construed as investment advice. Please consult a professional advisor before putting a loony in any of these financial markets. The
1: dirty secret is that no one's ever going to get paid back or have the shortest memories when it comes to investment. We just got to get key to the Bitcoin.
0: Hey, there's a bubble. Welcome back to the Looney Hour, episode seventy-five. As always, joined by the three amigos, we got Keith Dicker of IceCap Asset Management and Rich Diaz of Acorn Macro Consulting. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Keith, back in the country,
2: how was it? I was. It was lovely. You know, we had a real nice time. And um, however, the trip didn't end very well. But um, you flew home first class, <laughs> private we jet. didn't fly. We didn't fly first. We did have a disappointment though at the end. Because we uh you know we, we went to uh ancient Rome and uh you went to ancient Rome or did you go to Rome? Well <laughs> we went to ancient Rome and but when we got there all all the buildings were ruined. Okay. Oh my god, it's the worst joke ever.
1: <laughs> Moving on. Rich, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> well, it's the Diamond Jubilee. Our 75th episode. I've been waiting all week to spring on that on you guys. It's the Diamond Jubilee. That's what happens when you get yeah, 75. It's going to be a real boring episode. Not a whole lot to talk um, about. There's, there's uh, nothing going on. I think we should sp- dispense with the pleasantries. I'm going to the football game tonight. There you go. That's all I got. I'm going to watch Sporting, Liz- Sporting Lisbon, which is uh, a team from Lisbon, <laughs> as you might have guessed. And uh, they're going to play Arsenal which is a club that's literally right around the corner probably almost see the stadium and arsenal's doing super super well this year is the, the cfl top of the table. football
2: or college football what, what is it
1: <laughs> this is soccer this is soccer that's it oh, i'm not sure if you're familiar soccer. with this game yeah Oh, the breaks. And uh, yeah so it's a, i'm so I'm excited so it's gonna be good that's it i got nothing else to say or talk about but uh but that's it so what's going on with you steve tell us uh, i've just uh you know boring week in financial
0: markets so you know a few things to chat about here this week um you know i figured we'd open it up with uh you know our national housing statistics as we always do those just came out but you know there's lots to get through we got the canada jobs numbers from last week we've got a couple of banks uh you know on the verge of collapse uh you know ecb policy the fed um so I'm going to try to see,
2: by the way, I love the nonchalant, a couple of banks, you know, collapsed and not a big deal, you know, and then I had lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Just another day at the office. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's start this off with the, the Canadian housing statistics, uh, as they come out every, you know, 15th of every month. So, um if you look at the headline, you know, we were looking at base effects. So sales were down, I believe it was 40% on the year-over-year basis. So the headline looks really bad. When you kind of like peel back the numbers, um what's interestingly enough is that, you know, sales are running at uh, the lowest levels since 2009. So very very weak uh home sales, but new listings are actually dwarfing that. Uh so Canada's housing market recorded the fewest number of new listings for the month of February since 2003. Uh, So you had a 20 year low on a national basis, which is really unbelievable when you think about the the amount of population uh, and the amount of homes that have been built over the last 20 years. When you come out and say that the total level of number of new listings coming out um, was the the levels that we saw in 2003. I I think it's really incredible. And I don't think it's something that a lot of people had on their radar coming into this year, right? I mean, the conversation has always been around interest rates going up. Homeowners are going to be stressed. They're going to have to put their house on the market. We're going to get an oversupply of listings. That's going to then create more downwards pressure on prices. And we've actually seen the opposite, which is right now, New listings are so low that the market is actually tightening up. So on a national basis, uh, months of inventory is back around four months of supply. That's below the long-term average of five months. And um, yeah, you can see prices firming up in, in segments of the market, really all across the country.
1: You called the bottom, and you, I guess you were right.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I... Yeah, I'm still not prepared to call it a bottom, but you know the
2: point is made. I still yeah. recovering took from of, us. You took a lot of yeah, exactly. flack for that. there uh <laughs> you know. I, I must I must say that like two minor riches to light that you t- deflected the tension away from us. You're you're a good guy for doing that, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> well, take one for
0: the team, as they say. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, it bottom, no bottom. I mean, national house prices uh down 15.8 percent year over year, so almost 16. percent. That's the steepest decline on record. Uh, for the MLS home price index, since it was created, I believe in 2005. So, you know, I mean, it's still a national housing correction that we haven't seen in two decades, right? Like I said, sales volume is running at levels last seen during the 2009, you know, global financial crisis. So, what's interesting to see is that while the market is kind of firming up on a price level, uh, you know, prices are firming up because there's not much available on the market you have these really, really low activity levels, right? Like fewest listings in 20 years, fewest home sales in 10 plus years. That can't be good for economic activity to have like very little turnover. So I think that's, in my opinion, something that people should be taking
1: away from this. Well, I have a question for you, though. A serious question now, <laughs> not whether or not it's the bottom or not. My question is, like, what is the sentiment? Like, you must speak to other realtors. You must speak to, your obviously, your employees or or your mentors or, or people you just, you know, play hockey with or whatever it is. Like, do, do people have a sense that the worst is behind us? And if you can just sort of survive through this, then, then you know, or, or, or are people sort of giving up on the industry? I mean, we know that, you know, that, that, that industry employs an incredible amount of people. Um, I mean, what's the, the, what's the, like, sort of the sentiment? I mean, you, are you guys just like, Oh, you know, three, if we can just survive through to fall to the through to through to the fall we'll be okay. Or, I mean, or people Nobody, starting to co- learn how to code.
0: <laughs> Nobody ever gives up on Canadian real estate. <laughs>
1: um, no, I mean, I definitely think
0: like, obviously, you know, the amount of people like getting their like real estate license. And stuff like that obviously has dropped off. We are seeing people like, some you know the newer people people that weren't well established you are seeing people leaving the industry you know real estate teams that were formed in in the tops of the bull market or a lot of them are splitting up because everyone's just kind of like you know trying to get a paycheck um and like i said while prices are firming up if you've got you know, 12, 13 year lows or whatever it is, uh in in volume, it's 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 tough for the industry. And not only, you know, mortgage originations across the country are down over 30%. So um, you know, I, I think that uh people feel it's interesting because we had this conversation, right, like last week about the more the big Canadian banks, you know, deferring all of these uh variable Mortgage holders, right? Uh, CIBC, twenty percent of their loan book isn't even covering all their interest payments. You know, things of that nature. And like, in my opinion, it's almost as if basically the the, the Canadian banks are helping to withhold inventory from the market. They are allowing people to extend and pretend this. Some of this inventory undoubtedly would have ended up as uh, almost forced sales. And because people are allowing to basically push out these amortizations and push out their balances, um, this inventory isn't coming to market. And and now we're stuck with 20 year lows and new listings. So it's it's it is rather interesting. Um, it seems that Canadian banks are always trying to prevent um, you know, their collateral from getting impaired, right? We saw this during the depths of the pandemic, which was hey, nobody pay your mortgage for six months, don't worry about it.
1: I
2: mean, yeah go ahead, well. <laughs> go ahead Keith. <laughs> do you want to hit that one Rich, or do you want... <laughs> No, no, I'll, I'll happily side, step step away. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's sort of like tying in, I mean obviously there's been stress in the banking system over the last few days. There has. Uh, yeah, some folks got hurt. Um well, you know, yeah, so we're we'll going to go into great detail on, on this coming up here. But with with the banks, you know, if they have a one-off foreclosure on someone, th- they'll do it, right? You know, they're unfortunately, in in that business, you have to be insensitive. It's just a numbers game. If you're not going to get paid, you you just get rid of it. When you have a pretty high proportion of your book that's falling into the same territory, then you have to, you know, extend and pretend and and all that. So it's not surprising. Like this is how banks react or this is how they're being proactive, I guess, to try to delay the day of reckoning. And, um, you know, maybe we're at that threshold now peak threshold where, you know, things maybe they'll, they'll stabilize a little bit. But it does sort of though lead into what's been happening the last two days. But I know, um, but see with this week now, you know, obviously with the American banks having some stress and, you know, contagion has spilled over a little bit around the world. Has has that shown up that you've seen over the last, say, 48 hours with mortgage rates anywhere? Has any bank Dunce anything funny well our good friend a friend of the show
0: ron butler has been uh active on the twitter sphere um so he's he runs like a a large very large you know more of a discount brokerage so they do they, they they you know they compete on volume so i mean ron will tell you this himself um so they do have arguably the most competitive rates out there so they are he's you know seeing it firsthand um but a lot of the banks a lot of the big banks. If you're, you know, going to the large bank for for a rate discount on your mortgage, you're not necessarily seeing it just yet. But from a lot of my other contacts in the space, you'll probably start seeing them next week. Uh, maybe not as much as one would expect, given the precipitous decline uh, in bond yields. Um, but you'll definitely see some discounting next week. Which, you know, interestingly enough, it's interesting because people will say, well, how do you how do you balance the two? Right? Like on one hand, you've got like you know, a mini banking crisis unfolding in parts of the world. And then you've got falling mortgage rates, which clearly is good for housing. Uh, You know, it's cheaper to borrow. You're going into the spring market. Um, It makes a difference. I mean, like I said, I'm in Vancouver here. It's not uncommon for someone to have um, a million dollar mortgage. And when you start saying, well, take 30, 40 basis points off of that, that mortgage rate. I mean, that makes a real difference.
1: There's a lot of oh, you can buy a lot of oat lattes with 30, 40 basis points out in Kitsalana. <laughs> um, I mean, I have to have a question just more on sort of I mean, do you you know, one of the things I've noticed in the US, and we'll get to that in a minute, is that the net interest margins are sort of gone up, but they haven't really fully passed through um the spread, let's just say, from you know, short, they you know, they borrow. Um, they borrow short term and they lend long term we'll get into bank balance sheets a little bit later but I mean are, are you do you kind of expect that that banks will hold on to that X those 30 40 basis points I mean I I, I just I, I'm kind of skeptical that you know if the the five-year bond yield falls one percent that banks are just going to be uh you know running to just give that oh, to their customers no 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 100 percent 100
0: I mean they're they're obviously being conservative
1: there's definitely okay. uh
0: you know they're definitely not passing that on they have been passing it on for the last Four or five months, six months, even because, like, the reality is, is as as everybody that's paying attention, has been so much bond market volatility that it's like, you're, I mean, the Canada five year bond, which is what I watch for mortgage rates, it's just, it's been all over the place. It's you know, one week it's up twenty five basis points, next week and it's down thirty five, and so banks have just been like, there's, it's, it, there hasn't been any stability to actually say, okay, let's meaningfully cut and hold mortgage rates at these levels, so. Um. Yeah. You know. Given given where the Canada five year bond yield is, you should hypothetically see mortgage rates in the low fours. I don't think you're going to see them in the low fours because the banks aren't going to pass those that you know that uh, that on to their customers.
1: Yeah, we're actually yeah, just but- a sniff below, a sniff above the January twenty twenty
2: three low of uh two point eight or two point yeah. seven nine. Sorry, Keith. Go ahead. Yeah, but you would. You know, I was suspecting <laughs> that interest margins are going to decline now. They're they're going to tighten for the banks because all of a sudden um you know the banks need deposits that's what they want they they <laughs> need them to survive uh because they're levered entities if you start losing if you lose a million dollars in deposits you know it's really about 10 to 30 from your balance sheet that that's coming off of it um and so i would suspect in canada you're going to start uh maybe not with the big banks as much but the next tier you're going to see a lot more competitive higher rates being offered on on term deposits and gic's and because because the banks down in america um i mean everyone now is is fleeing their little bank and i use little in a i shouldn't say that word smaller size banks uh because of fear and that's what because we've talked about this quite a bit you know the risk with a bank is is fear you're you're concerned you're not going to get your money back and you you know you yanked your money from the bank as they say and that's what's been happening so that money is leaving the small guys and you know it's going up to the JP Morgans and in and, and those fellas so the only way to attract more deposits is to you know raise rates so one thing I always like to do is if you look at what's being offered on say GICs or term deposits and if you say you if you see one bank that's offering a significantly higher rate than everyone else like the my first instinct is, oh wow, they need money. Like they need deposits there for some reason. And you know, welcome to the you know the 2023 bank crisis. Let's well, let's 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 get, let's get into it's that. It's rocking and rolling. Wait wait wait, we're gonna get into that in a sec. Uh, we just have
0: to quickly last lastly touch on the Canada jobs numbers that came out last week. Oh, yeah. There was there was a Twinkie yeah. bet on the line. Uh, I had I think what was the number twenty two thousand jobs. I think the estimate was what ten thousand. So the the yeah, random yeah. number generator was, was on slightly on the high side. I had minus yeah. ten thousand. I think Keith
2: was what thirty. My my random generated number was thirty eight thousand, and uh, Rich, I, you were I, way off in the stratosphere. So uh, I
1: I owe the listener uh, a, a Twinkie, and I'm sorry. I'm a bad person. I for, I forgot. To
0: well, they're one, still banned so in I, the UK. I got promise. I I'll
1: promise to get something really horrible for next week. I'm, I'm going to swear. I'll Amazon something to you. Don't worry.
0: All right, we'll find a way. Um, um, but yeah, but it was, okay, I mean, so anyways, let's let's get into the to the banks here. Um, Keith, I don't know if you want to start it off, but obviously, you know, you got Silicon Valley
1: Bank, which uh, well, really we gotta got to explain the, the started. we got to explain what happened. We got to explain a little bit what happened. All right, you take it away then, genius. All right, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so in, so basically, in simple terms, it was an asset liability mismatch i mean that's the if you want to impress your friends at the bar that's what you say to them so banks basically have a assets um which are loans and some investments and these and then you have liabilities which are deposits and you know some bonds and all those mostly just deposits and then a little sliver of equity so that you have your assets equals your liabilities plus equity and the svb bank the silicon valley bank silicon valley being in california northern california um, was a banking partner for basically a bunch of VCs. So VC stands for venture capital. And it backed um, a bunch of tech and life science companies. And it basically suffered um, a decrease in deposits because as interest rates went up the and VCs started to get their money sort of pulled away from them, venture capital is these small companies, these tech startups, et cetera. And the cash burn from these, so cash burn is like a you know finance term for basically using up the cash that you have on, on hand that cash burn um started to draw down on svb's deposits right so basically so at first svb sold what's known as the available for sale securities this is from my cfa level 2 t- textbook and basically it's it's you're not really meant to be sell- selling these securities but they're basically available for sale and they were forced now it's forced to basically draw down on some of on some of these securities uh the market got wind of this and uh, so did a bunch of the depositors and sort of became sort of a vicious circle. Now, to be clear, no matter how well your bank is capitalized, um, it cannot suffer a coordinated bank run of any description just as a function of the way the bank is set up assets, liabilities and the equities um, and make no mistake. A lot of the bank run. So the deposit was actually in a weird way coordinated. There's people on Twitter bragging about how they got all of their friends to remove in some cases, $10, $5 billion overnight in a minute. Um, At one point, there was something like $42 billion was being pulled out of SVB. Now, basically, the reality is is that this was um, well-known on the streets. It was a widely shorted name. A friend of mine in investment banking had been pitched this short idea. It's like several months ago. The FT, in their infinite wisdom, wrote an article on February 22nd, outlining exactly what happened only a couple of weeks later. So although some people um, might not have you know, been necessarily um, been, been surprised by this, the regulators should have not have been, which is we'll get to that in a bit. But definitely the market in a weird way shouldn't have been either because this was well understood. But basically, in the end, uh, the equity um, and the unsecured credit creditors got wiped out. And then we can argue about whether or not it was a bailout in a minute, Keith. I know you have views on that. And um, and and but the most important thing, just remember that es that the SVB had an A rating on their ESG score. <laughs> you just had to sneak that one in. <laughs> I had to sneak that one. Um, it was that, and more importantly than defending its depo- depositors or taking care of its equity. It did had a great diversity and inclusion program, <laughs> and had a low carbon footprint. <laughs> anyway, so that, that, that's my piece on SVB. Um, hopefully, I didn't screw that up too badly. And Rich, you missed one
2: one minor point. Go for it. They were missing a chief. Uh, risk oh yes, officer of course, as, they were missing well. a chief
1: risk officer for nine months. So in April 2022, the chief risk officer, which you can imagine for a bank, is a very important role um left I think on her own accord I think she went to a different bank I don't think there was any you know anything nefarious there and uh they took them they still haven't replaced it I don't think I mean and it, yeah nine months without a chief risk officer however they did have <laughs> a bunch of boards related to uh D and I um, and anyways, I can, I'm laughing cause it's just absurd, but the key, the real thing is that, um, a lot of their assets were held in long duration bonds and mortgage backed securities. And as interest rates go up, so as the yield goes up, the price goes down. And the problem is a lot of these, um, and, and a lot of these bonds are, um, held to maturity again. I'm really digging deep here in my CFA level textbooks. But your held to maturity portfolio is not marked to market, your available for sale portfolio is marked to market. So, first they drew down on their available for sale portfolio a significant amount that freaked people out. Then they had to raise cash. So, they went to I can't remember some Middle Eastern person or whatever offered them a billion dollar, uh, five hundred million dollars or whatever it was an enormous amount of money to recapitalize to boost their equity it was vaporized within like two weeks which is just crazy um and then that once they had to draw down again on their available for sale they had to then look to their held to maturity portfolio which is like the part of your book that you're really never ever really supposed to touch and once that started to happen the deposit flight started to happen and once the deposit flight happens it's over. Just to give you context for Canadians, it, at the, at the height or before it crashed, I think it was 212 billion US. I'm looking at it right now. CIBC at the end of 2022 was 700 billion US. So just to give you, it was about, and it was a 16th or 17th largest bank in the US and CIBC, as all, all of us know, is a, is one of the big five banks in Canada. So it's 700. So it's an enormous bank. I think it's the largest bank in crash, I want to say ever, but those kinds of words are kind of meaningless because the global economy is bigger. But anyway, so I think that that's it. Never forget, they had a great ESG score. <laughs> Keith, save me
2: here, please. Keith, uh, what can you? I don't know, Steve. Let's just let Rich keep talking because he keeps no, going. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's really, it's pretty good. really good points. Good. But Keith, can yeah, we yeah. can we
0: focus a bit on macro here in terms of like? I think the larger implications uh, being that basically banks essentially are forced to held, forced to hold essentially, uh, you know safe assets, right? So you're for a lot of them are buying basically government bonds as so you've been, you know, the Fed basically engages in drops rates to zero, engages in a whole bunch of QE banks, then go and buy out these low, low yielding government bonds. And of course, now with uh, yields going up, bond prices going down, like the, the value of these assets, if you mark to market is obviously uh, impaired. And so this is kind of the the problem, I guess, it's facing quite a few banks. Um And this is, I guess, from a bigger picture perspective. I don't know if you want to kind of like simplify that and explain it to the audience. Or or just I'm just curious your views in general, because this is kind of this is not the whole premise, which is, you know, the Fed engaged in zero interest rate policy for over a decade and engaged in massive QE programs. And everyone is essentially, you know, I mean, the bond market is the whole world's collateral.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, there's a couple of main points with this um so there's two sides to the story or two views the one view one view that will come out and will say you know what this is one bank they weren't very well run they didn't do things very well it's it's a very unique specific story to one bank and therefore don't worry about anything else right that's that's the story uh, the day it i think last friday i think as soon as this started to develop one of the big canadian banks i won't say which one they immediately sent out an email. We're having an emergency call for everyone, for analysts and stuff. And, and I wasn't able to attend, but I, I sent it to my colleagues. So, hey, listen to this. And I said, by the way, this is what they're going to say. They're going to say, don't worry. You know, everything is always awesome in, in bank world unless you don't do things right. And 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 that, so with this story, that that's partially correct. The reason is it's partially correct. Because not only, you know, for all the reasons that Rich just explained to us, you know, that they did blow up. uh the reason they had to sell you know part of their bond portfolio is because deposits were leaving like it's it's kind of circular right one feeds off the other um but the other thing is you know without the chief you know financial officer or risk officer sorry uh, not being around it's, it's what banks do anyway like you're always worried about risk not getting your money back um, so i don't want people to think that all banks are structured this way because because they're not right there is a way to lay off risk uh so most I would imagine I encourage everyone if for the weekend pull offline uh, one of the annual reports for any of the big five or six Canadian banks it, ignore all the fluffy stuff in the beginning and just go straight to the financial data and you'll see it, but you, you can lay off your risk in your bond portfolio. So if you're receiving fixed coupon payments from your bond holding, you can you can do a swap contract as well. So you're paying out variables. You're not gonna get hit with rates move up and down. So whereas these guys lost money when they had to sell because you know, interest rates were going up, so the bond losses had to get recorded and that gets knocked off equity in, in there on the balance sheet. Um, if they were hedged correctly, a lot of those losses would have been offset by gains on their swaps portfolio. Do you see what I mean? Like there, there are ways to get around that. Now, well, however, what I find incredibly interesting with this, and I, I, you know, we say this all the time, the, the banking industry, it's a confidence game. So the moment that you lose confidence in any financial institution for whatever, it doesn't matter what the reason is, you, you take your money and, and you run. And that's what you do. So, and then that's what happens next is called contagion. You know, it starts going from one bank to the next. And that's when you start to see all the bank CEOs are coming out and the regulators are saying, hey, everything is strong, nothing to worry about, because they're trying to reassure everyone. They try to stay ahead of, of the game. And that that's what was happening last weekend. It's happening all week. We got to talk about Credit Suisse because those guys, you know, they blew up. Over like last night, wow. basically, and they had to get bailed out as well. But that's what it's coming down to, Steve. Um it, as soon as people lose confidence in the system, then they take their money out. And all banks are, are levered entities. And their assets, it's just financial assets. You know, they, they it's not like Apple, you know, the, the assets with Apple, you know, it's intellectual uh, capacity and everything, all the all the patents and everything they own. Or if you're a caterpillar, you know, your assets are. You know, all the big dump trucks and diggers you hold and, you know, whatever. If your Exxon is all the old reserves you have. With, with banks, that doesn't exist. So with as soon as the balance sheet starts to be reduced or key teams start to leave, you know, it becomes very difficult to stop that snowball once it starts. And I know we've been talking about this now for a while on on the show. Um, we've We've always known that something would break at some point. And I think three of us have been very clear that how it would affect Canada would be something from outside of Canada. and like who you know, who had on the bingo card, you know, the Silicon Valley Bank? Did Rich definitely have it? Not. no, I definitely no, I did not. I didn't have it either. yeah. so, uh, but it, it's all out there. And we'll talk a bit more now whether it's it's been stock gapped. It's safe to go back in the water or not, because there are some things to be a bit concerned about right. Is now. it
0: safe to go back in the water now because you've got uh, a few more sort of, bodies floating to the surface um one of them being credit suisse of course that's well been... that's a
1: different but that's a different animal though that's a different animal as far as like regular banks i mean you know famous last words but depositors are insured um in, in the uk i think it's up to 50 87 or 85 pounds in the u.s it was up to two hundred and fifty thousand um us dollars can can you remind me what it is in canada i think it's a hundred thousand isn't it keith right so it's I think I think let's just say 100,000 in Canada. And so the issue is, you know, the it's th- what they were trying to do is stop contagion and what they what people argue it's a bailout. I mean, it might be a bailout. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm going to let you know people on Twitter argue about that if they want. What they did in order to stem that contagion was, in effect, make uh, un- basically unlimited amount of deposits. Uh, like guarantee unlimited amount of deposits for people. So if you were a Silicon Valley company, a tech company, and you might've had 13 or $14 billion in deposits at one bank, again, you should fire your treasury secretary or treasury guy, but you should all, but those, those deposits effectively be, um, sorry, will be honored. Another thing it's important to remember is that the, the assets weren't in and of themselves bad, just because you, Let's say you own a 10-year bond yield and you're down some money. I mean, you you that, that asshole is still decent collateral. What it was is the mark-to-market issue became a problem. And you know, interest rates have come down. So actually, funnily enough, they're actually more valuable than they were a couple of weeks ago. So I mean, whatever you you know, take that for what what it will. But I think it's also important to remember that. Uh, the loans didn't just vaporize those loans were actually pushed into different banks. So I think JP Morgan had like an increase, which is one of the systemically important banks in the United States had an increase of um in deposits of one week of something like 20 or $30 billion. Yeah. Right? They were so, saying like bank of America was, was saying right. like
0: they had to like keep their banks open for like extended hours trying to like handle all the volume. So like, those are the right. clear winners, but right. Um, I mean, it seems like you've got a couple like what First Republic Bank is is is, is Yeah. So it's another
1: right? regional bank. So what so what we so in in America there's thousands and thousands of banks in Canada, because we love oligopolies, there's only like five or six or seven. Um, and so there's you know the systemically important banks in the United States. and then there's the regional banks. And uh, Donald Trump, in his infinite wisdom of several years ago, adjusted some of the regulatory framework to make some of the banks that are less than 250 billion dollars in assets, um, they don't. They no longer had to meet that regulatory thresholds because um, you know you can argue, you can ask ask uh, Donald Trump why he did that. But the point was, is it was in order to facilitate lending and to improve the U.S. economy and all the stuff we always hear in in a sort of in a, in a in, a, in, in that in, in a cycle, which is to deregulate until something breaks and then they re-regulate and whatever. Okay, but so. so-, so- Go ahead. Sorry, go well, ahead. I was just going to
0: say let's 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 simplify it for basically, you know, the audience that's you know not living in the US and maybe doesn't understand the regional banks. But like essentially, like these regional banks are quite strategically important for, you know, let's say rural United States. Uh, you know, you think about you're going to get a commercial real estate loan to or you know, a business loan to start a new company, like, and so when these banks come under pressure. That is really going to uh, strain economic growth, right? I mean, if you can't extend credit, credit being the lifeblood of the economy, if you can't extend credit to to you know large parts
1: of of rural United States, um, that's going to be a problem. Right. And they're also they're also usually sector specific. So let's say you might have a bank, I can't remember the name of a bank, let's say in Texas, that might be, you might have the analysts on the bank and the loan officers in that bank, who are really, who really understand the energy and oil market, you know, in um, Texas has the largest renewable energies um, of any US state, believe it or not. Um, and it's an enormous and, and they are, they are keen, keenly aware of how those businesses operate. And they can do better risk assessments of those businesses. In Silicon Valley, naturally, the people who supposedly ran SVB had a better understanding of the tech space of health scientists and whatever. That's the theory, obviously. In practice, what really happened was SVB handed out a bunch of loans in order to attract those deposits on extremely favorable terms and basically played fast and loose with a lot of stuff. Like I said, I'm not a banks analyst, so forgive me, and hopefully I haven't haven't garbled it too badly. But it makes sense that have regional banks that have sort of sector-specific expertise. SVB was one of them, and you'll find them in different parts of the U.S. So,
0: Keith, walk what? us walk us through this. Yeah, in yeah. your view and from the bigger picture macro now, what are the actual implications here? Sorry to interrupt this podcast, just want to give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors, NordVPN. NordVPN now has a brand-new feature called threat protection, which protects you from malicious websites, malware, and intrusive ads. Get hassle-free virus and threat protection and improve your digital experience. In simple terms, NordVPN is a one-click personal cybersecurity tool. In this crazy macro world that is moving at the speed of light, don't leave your personal online security to chance. Get NordVPN using a special promo code just for Looney Hour listeners. There's literally no risk to you with your 30-day money-back guarantee. Get your exclusive deal by going to nordvpn.com slash hour.
2: So we're missing one more point here, though, uh, that we haven't shared yet. Um, so the you know, FDIC insurance and in Canada, it's C-D-I-C, you know, C for Canada. You know, And um, because the bond portfolio lost so much value, there wasn't enough money available to meet the deposits that were leaving. So therefore, they have to go to the FDIC to make to make a claim. It, it's my understanding from chatting with a couple of guys yesterday that they, they they effectively drained all the cash from the FDIC with this bailout. So you, you know, people are talking about was the bailout or or not, but so they went to unlimited, unlimited coverage on deposits. And so now the FDIC, they're they've no money. So if anyone else goes under they, they got to get the money from somewhere. We can, you know, you, you can imagine where that money is going to come from. Um, but they, but that's what they have in place and whether it's right or wrong to have a limit on what the insurance policy is or not, um, you know, it, it is what it is, because there is a limit, then you got to figure things out, you know, do I want to hold more than, and I think there are stories that a lot of depositors they didn't even know insurance existed or what the amount was or, or so forth. So, you know, you know, it's a little bit of ignorance on, on naivety on, on their part as well. But that's the key thing here. So they did bail out depositors, loan books were sold and all that. Um, Jamie Dimon mentioned, I think this morning or yesterday, if he had his time back, they would not have bought Bear Stearns. Uh, they've lost more money on litigation and, and liabilities you know, over the last 15 years than they would have ever made on whatever potential benefit they did receive from buying it. So going forward, you will not see any takeovers in the banking industry instead it'll be asset purchases and then that that's a key difference to look at but again with the whole insurance coverage i know a lot of canadians say yeah i'm, you know, I'm going to spread my money around it in, in you know six different banks and i'll be protected that way the key difference with the canadian banking sector and the one that rich just described down in america is that you know the, the the, the five big Canadian banks. I would argue that eighty percent of it, it, they're all the same. You no, know, they're they're homogeneous entities. That's what they're doing. So if if you think that by spreading your money out, you, in something bad happens to one bank, you know, you're you're going to get covered. The entire Canadian industry is going to have a correlation of one that that's what will happen um will there be any money available to cover you know deposits that have been vaporized no there would be zero (laughs) available okay that that's you know that's the real truth behind it um you know this is a reason why you have all this conversation about central bank digital currencies are coming up which we will eventually get into rich loves that stuff but the whole idea with central bank digital currencies is is to take the risk off of commercial banks balance sheets Know, and, and put it somewhere else effectively. Uh, and I promise you, right now, all the central banks in the Western world are saying, "See, this is a good idea. We need to do that, God and it's relevant." Yeah, whether you, it doesn't matter if we agree or disagree with it. That's like the central banks who love this central bank digital currency idea. They're saying, "Yeah, we're going down that road." Okay, now let's switch back, Steve, uh, to the whole global macro framework. So, because all of a sudden we went from, "Hey, the world is awesome," you know, uh, you know, the recovery is strong. There's going to be a, a soft landing or no landing, like like we said. Well, yeah, I mean, like to your point it was the 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 no landing
0: it was you know inflation data still comes in sticky the economy just is not breaking from all these rate hikes which means they can just keep going and going and then all of a sudden you have you know SVB SVB going down and sudden turn of events, you know, right? I mean, we can get into, you know, market pricing of of fed futures uh in terms of where they see interest rates for for, you know, not only this year but next year. Um, you know, the movement in in the 2-year, which is uh, you know, basically an indication of where the, you know, they think the Fed's going. What do they have? I think it was like I think in the last couple of days it was like about a 13 or 17 standard deviation event, uh, like something that you just you see once every 20, 30 years. So, uh, a very stark reversal in terms of uh, expectations from central banks. So, Keith, I don't know if you have any more input on that, but
2: it's kind of it. We we you know one of our, our key holdings, our portfolio, is it is an interest rate volatility exposure. So when things go a bit crazy with volatility in the bond market, not, not, not the stock market, um, you know, then it just so, – so this thing has gone vertical for us over the last few days. And, you know, of course, there are other losses in the portfolio, but it helps to offset it, of course. But um, it, it's a good point, Steve. Like what's happened over the last three days is, has been unbelievable. Um, so let let's let's – bring this down first of all one one thing to look at most people look at stock markets and the price of bank stocks and the bond market and stuff um if you go underneath that which is is hard to find unless you're you're in that world you want to try to figure out have financial conditions have they actually deteriorated with this event taking place so what you want to do because it's a banking crisis that's taking place you want to see has the cost of borrowing for banks has it deteriorated versus the rest of the world over the last few days? And um, the, the answer is yes, it has, right? Um, not It hasn't snowballed where, God, nobody can get money anymore, but it has deteriorated. So you can look at the spreads uh, between A financial corps versus non-financial corps. That's one thing to look at. There's also forward rate agreements to look at. That's widened versus OIS spreads um investment credit grade default. yeah uh, credit defaults all this stuff like it it has deteriorated so i don't want people to think that hey there's nothing to worry about here uh but we also don't want you to you know listen today and walk away and say oh man and the loony hour said the world's coming to an end uh, that's that's not happening either but the point is that these events that they're always going to occur and when there's a crisis in the financial sector it will swamp every other crisis that you're looking at. Cause, cause it's, again, it's, it's a levered entity. It's spread out and touches everything. And there, there are ways, you know, to offer protection here. So the next part of the conversation is, you know, we, we've been going here on the loony hour now for probably 15 months, having a, a bet on how many rate hikes are coming. What are they going to do with the next meeting? And now the market is telling everyone, well, rate hikes have now clearly stopped. So we go through what the bank of Canada is now being priced to do. Um, the Europeans were out this morning, and they, you know, they did the European thing, and we have the Fed coming out next week, and the the world has turned on a dime, or, it, yeah, so- or an, as a, on a pound, as they say, over we we're riches, but it's it's turned it's changed dramatically. Over Keith, walk days. us through
0: that because people will look at the headlines and say oh the ECB today you know they raised rates by 50 basis points like see everything's fine like don't don't look at you know what's happening in the in the banking world credit suisse all that other good stuff uh 50 basis points but what what was important was they you know removed forward guidance or or
2: the trajectory uh or the path forward for for rate eggs. I don't know if you, you have any comments on that yeah i think it might be like one of those simpson episodes you know where the the, the bank is on fire in the background, as a guy out eating an ice cream cone, and everything is, is fine. Well, I mean, uh, they had to. They had to, on, the, on the ECB thing. They had to raise rates. I think because
1: they don't want to be perceived as a vassal state of the United States. I think in part. Also, it was absolutely expected. And I'm not sure if it necessarily will make that much of a difference. To be honest with you, um I think what mattered also was providing enough liquidity as what's known as a discount window and being there to support any banks that might have funding issues.
2: Um, sorry, Keith, go go ahead on on the rest of that. I was just, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, you know, my impression with the ECB this morning that they did hike by fifty basis points. That's what was expected. Uh, they also, in between the lines, from what I heard, and I am hearing it, so maybe I heard it differently, but. <laughs> Um, I I think they're now paused. They they basically signaled, you know, it's not going to be data dependent and and stuff like that. However, we will raise rates again if needed to, you know, all all, (laughs) all that junk. But I I think they're now done. And, um, you you know, the Europeans are the most political central bank in the world that they're very good at saying everything that everybody wants to hear but yet you know they're they're dealing with a shit show behind like that that's what they have going on underneath so uh so the europeans are done the canadians are done canadians are coming up on april the 12th so we have a few weeks before that and uh what what are they going to do steve oh
0: tiff macklem got the uh saving grace from from the US banks there. Um, you know, the first guy to go on pause took a lot of heat for it. And he's, uh he's probably a pretty he's probably doing a couple fist bumps.
1: Well, yeah, because I don't, I don't I don't I don't but I don't think the US is going to pause. So I think that I mean, sorry, excuse me, I don't think the US is done raising rates. I think that yes, if you look at the Fed funds, um, um, futures expectations, they've all been cut out, I think 1%. So by, by I think it was uh, by December or November there was interest rates were going to be up at five seventy five. That all of that expectation has been cut out. I think what the what the FDID FDIC did with the federal government, obviously with the Fed, all of them did was basically allow um, their actions have facilitated future rate hikes in, in my view. Uh, because I think what we didn't talk about, we haven't gotten to, is the inflation, which continues to be really really sticky. The we got last um, last Friday we got 310 um, new jobs and so although I I'm willing to con- to to concede that you know they're going to take a minute to breathe and see if there's actual contagion obviously the credit Suisse stuff is is no is not good it's an enormous enormous investment bank it's not a similar it's not the same as sort of an SVB or a CIBC got an investment bank which has all kinds of different <laughs> barbs and and issues with that but. I think that this allows them actually to to carry on, and I think that the quicker and and calmer markets get surrounding this, I think that actually it opens a door for all those rate hikes to get priced back in. I just think it'll happen slowly. Uh, maybe that's that, maybe so, that's a, a contrarian view, but uh, I, I, I don't, I, see Keith. It going I don't know ahead.
0: about you, but I mean my, my thought process, and who knows? I'm guessing as just as much as anybody else here, but and I would think a a, a banking. You know, a bank run, potentially a little bit more contagion from that is going to be quite deflationary.
2: Yeah, I mean, the other thing to think about as well with... I agree with Rich that the Fed will, will hike again coming up. What are you going, 25? Uh, yeah, they're 25. Yeah, that, that's, that's what we we'll used have. to I mean, they used to be 50. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. They had an opportunity there to do that. And, and this is blowing everything off. Now, but it's not as simple as... You know the economy is going to slow down now, and things like that. Because you know the you know the yield curve is now at its most inverted since eighty two, I, I believe, now or eighty one. I think. That's well, it's actually, it,
1: funnily, it actually steepened with all of this mess, right? Up up until a couple of days ago, it was the steepest since eighty two or eighty one, and now it's and now it's it's actually flat. It's actually flattened out. So funny. Was the thought. most inverted. Now it's flat. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry.
2: yeah. It's just it's just one of those things. But what people have to appreciate that. It's not as simple as, hey, the economy is going to slow, let's cut rates, inflation, let's raise rates. The, the, the banking system needs T-bills to run on. So what people don't know is that every at the end of every banking day, banks have to draw a line, they need collateral overnight, other people have too much collateral, they'll lend it out, that, that's the repo market <coughs> and everything uh, and it, it is heavily influenced by what the Fed funds rate is. So sometimes that market can force the Fed to do something it, it doesn't want to do. And if anyone is looking for an opportunity right now to figure out, hey, is this you know green light on again? You know, like buy the dip and, and go nuts again. The, the moment you see an announcement that, uh, that Fed, uh, U.S. dollar swap lines have been turned on again, with, with someone, the, the moment someone uses that swap line, because they're always available, you have to announce when you use it, and that's when you know, oh wow, something was very stressful out there, the Canadians need US dollars, or the Japanese or Europeans, who, who knows who it is it's one of their allies, of course, because they're not going to give dollars to one of their um, you know, one, one of the other side but when that happens, it's okay wow, they're going to save the day again, or they're just going to flood the system, so it, again, but the point is that don't think that central bank rate moves coming up are totally dependent upon the direction of the economy. It can be triggered by something else that's happening underneath the scenes.
1: And there's another angle, though, as well, which is banks are. It's going to sound quite rich for me to say this at this juncture, but banks are overcapitalized, um, and and that's a chart that I shared with everybody on Twitter a couple of days ago when all this stuff was happening, and um, and it's it's not at all the situation of 2008. In 2008, your loan to deposit ratios in America were one were over one for even the large banks. So you think about. JP Morgan Wells Fargo all these enormous enormous that you know dwarf the SVB had loans to deposit ratios of over one and now large banks in America have loans to deposit ratios of 0.6 so that mean that is means that mean they're over collateralized they have an incredible amount of liquidity and, and not uh, liquidity on hand such that they don't have to sell the available for sale securities. And they certainly don't have to even touch the held to maturity securities. Um, and I think that that's, and then not to mention tier one capital ratios in America are in the teens, the mid teens, whereas in 2008, whatever, some of them were flirting with the nines and and eights in Europe, they were even lower than that. And so now you, so this, I just think it's, it's, you know, it, In a way, contagion is obviously an important factor, and you have to snub that out. And there are some regional banks that I'm sure are going to get a hard looking at over the next few weeks. But in general, I think that the banking sector is actually still over collateralized, certainly relative to history. There's no doubt about that in my view. They have a lot of cash, although that's coming off with QT. And I think that that's it that's why I think, you know, you have to sort of, if there's a signal and then there's the noise, and I think we can't stress enough that SVB just made some really bad business decisions. And I think with the FDIC coming in to basically guarantee all deposits, I think that's a really, really sort of sea change in how people will perceive this risk and bring on Credit Suisse, which might change everything, of course, but I think it's important to remember sort of that loan to deposit ratio is extremely, extremely low and banks are very well capitalized. So,
0: What's your like what's your market outlook? You know, both of you guys, because I'm kind of curious. Like I said, I obviously just, you know, have heavily focused in the real estate space. And, you know, we chatted about it at the beginning of the show, which is okay, low turnover. You know, people talk about stress from households being extended and pretended. But what I can tell you is that, you know, the foreclosure process or the, the, the solvency issues haven't really bubbled to the surface yet. So we I know for sure that you know foreclosures are picking up behind the scenes but it takes minimum 12 months from the time somebody misses a payment to the time that they start basically ending up on the MLS for sale in a foreclosure so that takes time i know that Commercial real estate is, is really struggling. You know, the office space just has not bounced back since COVID. Uh, land developers that are over It's really hard to get uh, capital right now for obvious reasons. And so I know that in the in the real estate sector, like the losses are going to continue to mount uh, in that space. And so that, that kind of frames like my worldview. And then so once I start seeing, you know, these banks, obviously, you know, starting some of these banks starting to blow up, um, you know, it makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm, I'm kind of curious what your guys' overall view is. Like moving I, I forward think, here. Yeah,
2: so this is where uh, oh, we're going to go. Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Can you repeat that, please? Uh, so, the, so the current crisis, it, it's accelerated the path that we've expected markets to go. So financial markets, you know, we've been expecting, you know, equities to bottom here in Q1, Q2, that seems like where we're headed. We've also been keenly focused on commodity markets. And, you know, oil has been, you know, taking it pretty hard here now recently as well. So we continue to go down that that path again. But back to, I know you said it a few times here, you know, like, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, you know, they're the wacky ones and that's it. But They just happen to be first, right? That's it. For every Silicon Valley Bank out there, I bet you there's another 10 guys out there who've been doing something that's they're also exposed in another way so uh you know we don't think you know the green light is on here again we think there's going to be a lot of you know defensive moves coming up and then that sort of then triggers the opportunity to finally get that recession that we're talking about because if i'm a bank right now i'm going to be pretty reluctant to lend money out that's me i'm a conservative guy Rich is aggressive. He's going to give it out to everybody he knows. He's going to fly it out the window. And Steve's going to be catching it on the other side and everything. But I I just think that right now, any bank that wasn't cautious before last week, they are now a lot more cautious and they're going to be concerned about what, what they're doing coming up. So a, a, again, it could accelerate the recession coming up, which has all kinds of effects, of course. You know, you know, specifically across the uh the Treasury bond market or federal government bond market in Canada and you know, certain equities and and so forth. This is a good story from an yeah, investor. Like we're pretty excited. Like we're pretty excited about what's been what's been happening because we've been expecting something like this. And we still feel that the probability of the Canadian market experiencing stress—it's now higher than it was before. It hasn't happened yet, but that the trigger event may likely come from outside of Canada. Still, you know that that's what we see.
1: For me, I, I split it into three bits. There's one is the banking acute banking issues. And my view, I I I just don't think that that's a big deal. I've mentioned the collateral bit. They're just a better run institutions. Now the banking's industry, I've read of reports of having up to six hundred billion of unrealized losses. I mean, they also have an incredible amount of. Capital, like I said, the tier one capital ratios is high, basically, the high there are 10 year highs and, and we're rising. So I, I think that that that's sort of a, a non issue. I think then, then the two others are whether or not the macro has sort of changed. And from the from this week to the last, I don't think so. And then the on the equity front, I still see earnings continuing to fall sales getting weaker, and margins rolling over. I think that the, the the talk about, you know, from Main Street to Wall Street, I think that that sort of theme has continued. I still think that there's um, a floor under commodity prices because of the lack of supply. We've talked about that a lot. I don't. I really, in a weird way, I don't. I mean, I sort of agree with with Keith in a sense. I think that there's. I mean, does it bring forward the recession? I mean, the yield curve. It, the yield yield curve models from the from the uh, New York Federal Reserve, which we've published on our Substack, Loony Hour Substack, is that was at fifty seven, and, and, and funnily enough, because of the, the what happened with the yield curve, actually went down to fifty four, and that tells you that there's a half half. There's a one, two, chance, one in two probabilities. That over the next six to nine months there's going to be a recession. That's what it that tells you. I don't think that that's changed at all. Um, and so, in in a, in a way, it's sort of everything has changed. I think there's a heightened like uh, like uh, the, the eyes on a bunch of different sectors have obviously grown. And in many ways, I don't think it's changed changed much at all. I mean, that's that's my view.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We had uh, a bit more what U.S. data in the past uh, week or so. We see we had U.S. retail sales, uh, producer price index. Uh, Rich, I don't know if you want to walk us through. I think you had you know CPI as well. Um, it seemed like kind of a mixed bag in general. Like there was kind of parts of it. I mean, the shelter component, you can walk us through this, but the, the shelter component of of U.S., Uh, inflation continues to be sticky, which I continue to believe is is, is seriously a lagging indicator. But uh, maybe walk us through that quickly.
1: No, I think mixed bag is is exactly right. And I think at this stage in the cycle, I think that that's sort of what you get. I mean, the retail sales wasn't great, but we know people are shifting from retail sales to services. Um, Services inflation continues to be okay um you got some big ones that i think popped that people should really pay attention to and then there's some ones like telecommunication service had a massive outsized negative um that 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 was also i guess important but i think is a one-off i mean used car prices remember got loads of press a couple of years ago well it stopped falling airline tickets they're up massively as people again shift from goods i mean i guess used car are good but to services, apparel. Um, that's also stopped falling. Um, and yes, shelter, which I, I know I get a lot of pushback on this, it is a lag indicator. Say what you want. I mean, um, it continues to rise, and the numbers are the numbers. So until you unless you want to change the move the goalposts or change the rules of the game, the reality is, is that 40% of your basket is above eight percent. Um, or 30% on your basket, depending on which country and is above 8%. And so that's important. Sorry, go ahead. Steve.
0: Well, I was going to chime in there just quickly while I'm on it, because I've had, we've, we, I've actually had this conversation, this podcast, and there's been some feedback, people getting upset, saying, Oh, you're wrong.
2: <clears throat>
0: if you look at uh, the, the Canada rent. Uh, so one of the ones that puts it out is rentals.ca. Uh, so they've finally, they finally have come out and recorded uh, declining uh, rent prices across Canada, Uh, So for the last three consecutive months, rents have trended lower. Uh, And and keep in mind that rentals.ca, they are pulling asking rents. So they're they're, they're pulling all the asking rents, they're putting it through sort of a a model and then spitting out a number. So that's the asking rents, not what things are actually renting out for. And so landlords always tend to skew on the higher side and, and are slow to adjust for the market. So I can tell you that, All my conversations with property managers are that rents were crazy. They peaked ultimately last year. And if you're trying to re-rent the same unit, you're taking a slightly lower price today than you were in the summer of last year. And so, uh, you know, again, that might not show up in your shelter component for a while, but um, it's happening.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that, but that's only sort of, so I, I'll concede, let's, let's you know, for now, I think we've officially <laughs> destroyed this, like we've, uh, we've run the the thread on the shelter argument and discussion, I think is, is bare, so we can move on. But I think what I've, what I would suggest is, is, and something I've mentioned many times before, it's the breadth of inflation. So things like the Cleveland median CPI. So what is the median, the 50th percentile item? Fiftieth percent Oh, I screwed that up. Anyway, the 50th item in your list of items, what is the inflation on that doing? And for the US, it continues to rise a 7.2% in February. Right. So, you know, you can say all you want about the components, but the, the economy is hot. The employment is came in at 310 or 11 last week. There, There's tightness in the labor market that I think is not going away. Um, Keith's point about tighter credit conditions, I definitely I'm worried about that. I think that could happen. But I think really the issue is, will the United States continue on this path of higher interest rates and ever closer to a recession? I think that hasn't changed at all. Um, the other thing that is uh, another kind of interesting wrinkle in the housing is the National Association for Home Builders their consumer confidence indicator has stopped falling is now up three months in a row. National Federation of, um, independent businesses that stops falling, that's going up. And like you said, it's a mixed bag, the New York federal reserve, New York manufacturing survey that came out worse. So it's all over the place. Um, add that we didn't even talk about China, which has had a banger at PMI release. Europe continues to do. Okay. Um, and so I think all of these things make it a very, very difficult market to invest. In my view, one that you want to sort of stay away from when you get short-term interest rates at four percent. But it's just it it is what you said exactly right, Um, Steve. That it's 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 a bunch of mixed messages everywhere. Keith, what are your
0: thoughts here on the Fed? Do you think they're like? I mean, you're kind of of the view that this might not be the last sort of banking issue. That this is maybe the first domino. but you're, you know, you think Fed will go 25 at the next meeting? Do you, do you are you in the view that there's a strong likelihood it's 25 and done, or do you think it's, you know, more hikes to come, less than obviously the market originally
2: anticipated? I think they're they will try to continue raising. I don't think they're 25 and done unless sometime between now or next week's hike and then after something really bad happens and, and they, they're not allowed to hike anymore. But, you know, like, like Rich laid out a lot of reasons why the is not falling off the cliff. And, it, and mind you, all the data we're looking at, it's from the past, right? right. Fair enough. That, it doesn't matter anymore. That's already happened. And the world has shifted. We all have to respect that that has happened over the last week. Uh, you know, with, with this banking crisis in the U.S., but for right now, Rich, uh, I suspect we'll see 25, and then if, if things stabilize, they'll they'll do another one. You know, at, at the next meeting and, and thereafter, which is which is really, I think, it's a great macro setup because that would mean you know the Americans are the only ones still hiking, because right now I think the ECB have, the ECB has stopped. I think they're they're now done, and the Canadians are done, and and everyone else. Which is amazing, right?
1: Because the labor market in France is on fire. It has been for like two years. Their in- their inflation rates refuse to even stop going down. I think their headline and core have also come off. Um, even in UK, we had great data, employment data in the UK, um, and wages in all those countries still keep are still moving higher and higher. Um, and so, I-, I would expect if things calm down, and it's a big fat if. Yeah. I would say that but this ECB's has scared everyone. Back back I know, yeah, I know. Like this, and then we didn't yeah, talk about is, Credit Suisse. We didn't even talk about Credit Suisse, yeah. which is... Well, we oh, we only this, got a couple
0: minutes. So if you want to jam in the the, the
2: Credit Suisse guys. Um, so very quickly with, with Credit Suisse, I mean, they, they've always been in trouble anyway. You now, if you guys remember a couple of months ago, they were the firm, I think they were the firm that said, hey, we're not going to pay any bonus this year. We need to restructure and all that stuff. And because I'm in, the, you know, that world, as soon as I heard it, I, I said, oh, man, like it's going to have a total brain drain coming up. They're obviously lacking money and confidence Like you just knew it was coming. Uh, it just so happened they needed a, a trigger event for it. So, as you know, as, as Rich pointed out with, uh, with Silicon Valley Bank, you know, one off Credit Suisse is a bit of a one off as well. But the European bank shares, I mean, they got smoked this week, right? The matter if you're looking at BNP or Santander, any of those guys, uh, it, it's its the industry. And that's thats where they are. They're all in the same pool, Steve. The only the thing swamp, I
1: would add <laughs> is they're all in the same swamp. I think there was just one minor difference for people who may not know is – SVB for all of its foibles is a much, let's say, normal bank in inverted commas here. Uh, Credit Suisse is a an investment bank. Um, there are good investment banks, they're boring investment banks. This is, a, you know, it might be run with tight lipped and suited and booted uh, austere Swiss people at the top, but underneath that hood is people who take enormous amounts of risk, take huge, huge levered punts on all kinds of assets, and they're involved in all kinds of shenanigans. Their peak assets was 1.5% trillion that are down to 600 i think that's in u.s dollar terms forgive me if i got the currency wrong and my point is that that's a that's an investment bank that's been bleeding assets people and they've been trying to unwind this bank for years and years and years but i guess what do they say oh, how do you go broke first slowly and then all at once right so and then i think that's what we're sort of experiencing right now and keith's right about the catalyst so it seems like to wrap the show up here we all
0: somewhat disagree in terms of the the outlook (laughs) and the trajectory here. Uh, I mean, a healthy, healthy debate, healthy deliberation. But I mean, I think we can all agree also that uh, it's a very, very uncertain outlook. Um, I think anyone that thinks that they have all the answers here and know exactly what's going to happen, you know, I would run in the other direction. I see a lot of those on Twitter. It's pretty funny, right? Everybody knows exactly how this is going to play out. But it's I mean, if you're a central banker right now, pretty,
1: pretty tough decisions coming up. It's, it's kind of annoying because everybody now overnight, everyone's a bank analyst. I'm decidedly not a bank analyst. I'm sure I made a couple of mistakes there. Um, I, it is, yeah, it's big amazing how it absolutely... this, Big asterisk <laughs> exactly. this whole
0: show. That's right. That, uh, That's right. None of us are bank analysts. <laughs> That's right. Rich, That's right.
2: <laughs> Rich just crushed the show. Like the show is now over now. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did suggest earlier, <laughs> you know, this weekend, go to the website of one of the big banks They'll you know, pull off the annual report, completely ignore all the fluffy commentary in the beginning with the nice photos and, and, and stuff like that, uh, and just dive into the financial data. And you probably won't understand any of it if you're not in that world. And if you are, you'll understand a lot of it or, or some of it. But just to uh, sort of appreciate the numbers and the different items they're talking about and see if you can piece them together. It's actually quite... I think it's fun. It's interesting. It's as complicated as, and by the way, I'm talking about the balance sheet. Ignore the income statement because they're they're always stupid. You got to focus on the balance sheet. And the better you're able to understand how a bank is structured, then all of a sudden, everything else in the financial world just becomes easier to see and understand and once you do it for one bank then grab another one and then you can start making your own comparisons it's easy to see all all the information is there it is free to get but again ignore all the fluffy stuff in the beginning
0: and then start pulling your money no No, i'm just kidding don't do that
2: don't do that uh
0: we don't (laughs) need that but uh canadian banks as we say five uh (laughs) five canadian banks running this country uh totally joking everyone's like oh my god um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, we, we, that's actually an important context because we were chatting with this off the line and we're like, there's some people out there that just like, dislike Canada, just like the real estate market, just like the Canadian banks. And then like, just assume that, you know, one of the Canadian banks is the next casualty. So, uh, no, no need to have any concern there. I think that's an important sort of disclaimer there.
1: Yeah. They generate enormous amounts of fees. Remember? <laughs> Get, from charging us to take money out of the atm unlike for stuff all the stuff that you that's that you have to pay for in canada is free in europe and in the us by the yeah. way like, they're never going to get in trouble
2: okay <laughs> so one yeah one last last point though with with banks um and, and this is all the big banks including the Canadian. They, you know they like to talk about the wealth management divisions and Credit cards, like other things they're they're doing. When it comes down to it, a, a bank is a levered entity. They have deposits coming in. They'll leverage that up multiple times and push it out for lending. That that's all it is. So it's whenever you see their earnings come out, they talk about, "Yeah, we've expanded this, this, and that." The moment a bank loses deposits, they're screwed. That's the bottom line here, <laughs> and that's it's, it. Comes down to confidence, right? That that's this a Bitcoin of this. ad. No, because that's no, that was really well is, no was super well. eloquent. I mean,
1: that that's the headline yeah. for the for the week. <laughs> the moment a bank loses its deposits, it's screwed and Keith. Yeah, a-
2: absolutely. And uh, but that's what happened, you know, with, with these smaller players uh down in the US and then with the credits sweet story. There that's she it. was. I got no more last last points. There, there she, she was, was gone going
0: uh that's a good place to end it uh again as we like to reiterate here we are not bank analysts uh um, <laughs> you know do your own discretionary uh research here uh we appreciate you guys supporting the podcast uh if you don't mind sharing this episode with at least one friend or family member to continue to build the looney hour community Uh, We appreciate that. We will have a a special guest on next week on the show to chat about uh, energy markets, which I think are particularly important uh, for Canadians. So uh, as always, appreciate your support and we'll see you next week.